6640. Your future lies in 6640. 66 books by 40 authors, and yet we now discover it's an integrated message system from outside our time domain. Welcome to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher is Chuck Missler, connecting the Bible to your life and the world around you. In today's study, Chuck continues his teaching on the book of Job, chapters 6 through 14. But Job now replies to to Bildad in chapter 9, in fact, 9 and 10. Job replies, he says, Job answered and said, I know it is of a truth, but how should man be just with God? If he will contend with him, he cannot answer him one of a thousand. See, Job also, by the way, has an inadequate theology. See, he accepts the principle of suggesting that trouble only comes from sin. And uh, I said, when we went through the book of Romans, we dealt, we made a list of ten, at least ten different reasons Christians have trials. God sends trials in our life for lots of different reasons, like at least ten of them. And uh, uh, But uh, this is, uh, uh, Job again, see, he falls in the trap of accepting their premise here. See, he would have analyzed other people's problems before he had the same thing happen to him. See, in the long, dark hours of searching his own life, he hasn't uh, uh, been able to identify any sin which he has not already uh, dealt with. So his dilemma is, uh, I'm not aware of any unconfessed sin in my life, yet the trouble is there. Therefore, the problem may be with God, or his relationship with God. But see, he has no way to examine God, which he'll state in very eloquent terms. See, he'll start off by pointing out that God's wisdom is beyond man. Verse 4, he is wise in heart, mighty in strength, who hath hardened himself against him, and who hath prospered, which removeth the mountains, and they know not, which overturneth them in his anger, which he shaketh the earth out of her place, and the pillars thereof tremble, which commandeth the sun, and it riseth not, and sealeth up the stars, which alone spreadeth out the heavens, and treadeth upon the waves of the sea, which maketh Arcturus, Orion, and the Pleiades, and the chambers of the south. By the way, these, these are very famous constellations because they're mentioned twice in Job. He mentions them in passing here as he just articulates the grandeur of God. This is going to come up in chapter 38. And God is going to give Job a science quiz. And I'm going to, I'll postpone till then a discovery that we've discovered about these constellations that probably not one, one astronomer in a hundred knows. And yet God hints at. In, in, in Job 38. Um, it's a, uh, we'll, we'll, I'll leave it to there. We're take, we're, there's at least five, 15 scientific discoveries that uh, Job anticipates. Interesting enough. And for me, you know, the, the later part of the book is the fun part, so I'll, I'll hold off some of these things till we get there. Verse 10. Which doeth great things past finding out, yea, and wonders without number. Now he's going to recognize God's invisibility in the next two uh, verses. Verse 11, Lo, he goeth by me, and I see him not. He passeth on also, but I perceive him not. Behold, he taketh away, and who can hinder him? Who shall say to him, What doest thou? And he's focusing now on God's sovereignty. If God will not withdraw his anger, the proud helpers do stoop under him. How much less shall I answer him and choose out my words to reason with him, whom, though I were righteous, yet would I not answer, but I would make supplication 
to my judge. If I, and if I had called and he had answered me, yet would I not believe that he had hearkened unto my voice? For he breaketh me with a tempest and multiplieth my wounds without cause. I, he will not suffer me to take my breath, but he filleth me with bitterness. I, if I speak of strength, lo, he is strong. And if a judgment, who shall set a time to plead? Job's going to several times bring his case before God. That's forthcoming. If I justify, justify myself, mine own mouth shall condemn me. If I say I am perfect, it shall also prove me perverse. Though I were perfect, yet would I not know my soul, I would despise my life. See, there's a ray of light starting here now. And it's going to show up particularly when you get to verses 32 through 35. Life becomes incomprehensible where there's no understanding of God. But you can't understand God without his revealing himself to you. That's what's going to come out of this. But we do need a frame of reference to make any meaning out of life. And the only frame of reference is God himself. That's what's part of what's going to emerge here. Verse 22. This is one thing, therefore I said it, he destroyeth the perfect and the wicked. If the scourge slays suddenly, he shall laugh at the trial of the innocent. The earth is given into the hand of the wicked. He covereth the faces of the judges whereof, if not... Where and who is he? Now my days are swifter than a post. They flee away. They see no good. They are passed away as the swift ships, as the eagle that hasteth to the prey. If I say I will forget my complaint, I will leave off my heaviness and comfort myself, I am afraid of all my sorrows. I know that thou wilt not hold me innocent. If I be wicked, why then labor I in vain? If I wash myself with snow water and make my hands ever, uh, never so clean, yet shalt thou plunge me in the ditch, and mine own clothes shall abhor me. Now we're going to see. For he is not a man as I am, that's being of God. God's not a man as I am, that I should answer him, and that we should come together in judgment. Neither is there any daysman, or that's like an umpire in our terms, no daysman betwixt us that might lay his hand upon us both. Let him take his rod away from me, and let not his fear terrify me. Then would I speak, and not fear him, but is not so with me. See, what Job is in effect saying, God is so powerful, so great, that how can he deal with him without having a mediator? Because God terrifies him. First of all, he can't really know God, and secondly, to be confronted with the majesty of God uh, causes him to tremble, and so on. So he needs a mediator. Someone who can understand us both and bring us together. This is fascinating in a sense because we understand from a New Testament perspective, there is a mediator. God became a man and dwelt among us and uh, to, to bridge that very gulf that, that Job is talking about here. And so now for the first time in this book, we're getting a glimpse as why God may be putting Job through this protracted trial. And as, as Job begins to and to realize that part of the thing he's facing is this gigantic gulf between him and God. And uh, in Psalm 119, verse 71, it says, It is good for me that I've been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. We learn through suffering. It's not pleasant, but it's often essential. And uh, And perhaps the most powerful draw toward intimacy is severe suffering. And that's developed in my wife's book, uh, Faith in the Night Seasons, the, the dark night that God puts us through to bring us into real intimacy with him. Very difficult to understand, but a crucial, crucial lesson. Anyway, getting to Job 10. See, darkness is closing around him. He, he drives into prayer and he's searching for answers. 
And these are answers that every sufferer faces when going through a particularly difficult time. You and I also. Maybe not as severe as Job, but the lessons are there for us too. Verse 1, My soul is weary of my life. I will leave my complaint upon myself. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. I will say unto God, Do not condemn me. Show me wherefore thou contendest with me. Is it good unto thee that thou shouldest oppress, that thou shouldest despise the work of thine hands, and shine upon the counsel of the wicked? Hast thou eyes of flesh, or seest thou as man seeth? Are there are thy days as the days of man? Are thy years as man's days? That they inquirest after mine iniquity, and searchest after my sin? Thou knowest that I am not wicked, and there is none that can deliver out of thine hand. He's asking, in effect, if God limits himself to man's circumstances and capabilities. And uh, again, there are intimations here of the incarnation, the great underlying truth of the New Testament. Let's move on verse 8. Thine hands have made me and fashioned me together round about, yet thou dost destroy me. Remember, I beseech thee, that thou hast made me as the clay, and and wilt thou bring me into dust again? Hast thou not poured me out as milk and curdled me like cheese? Hast thou clothed me with skin and flesh and fenced me with bones and sinews? Thou hast granted me life and favor and visitation hath preserved my spirit. These things hast thou hid in thine heart. I know that this is with thee. If I sin, then thou markest me and thou wilt not acquit me from mine iniquity. If I be wicked, woe unto me. And if I be righteous, yet will I not lift up my head. I am full of confusion. Therefore, see thou mine affliction for it increaseth. Thou huntest me as a fierce lion, and again thou showest thyself marvelous upon me. Thou renewest thy witnesses against me, and increasest thine indignation upon me. Changes in war are against me. Saying, what can I do? Where can I turn? Is what he's saying. See, uh, every argument that has ever occurred to a suffering saint is brought out in the book of Job as we go through these uh, uh, three rounds of, of these three discourses each. And all the haunting dilemmas are faced. They're thrown out there. And the questions aren't answered at this point. We're just seeing his agony at this point. But they will be answered before we're through. Because, But it will be answered in a way that none of us could ever anticipate. Anyway, he continues, uh, Wherefore hast thou brought me forth out of the womb? Oh, that I had given up the ghost, and no eye had seen me. I should have been as though I had not been. I should have been carried from the womb to the grave. Are not my days few? Cease then and let me alone that I may take comfort a little. Before I go, whence I shall not return, even to the land of darkness and shadow of death. A land of darkness is darkness itself and as of the shadow of death, without any order where the the light is as darkness. Well, (laughs) that's Job's uh, frustration. But now we have one other guy, third guy, Zophar has got his chance, and he's he is uh, he's pushier than the rest of them. I call him Zophar the Zealous, and he's going to give a scorching rebuke to what he sees as Job's uh, folly of being a sinner. And so, verse eleven, chapter eleven. Then answers Zophar the Namathite uh, said, "Should not the multitude of words be answered? Should a man full of talk be justified? Should thy lies?" Make men hold their peace, and when thou mockest, shall no man make thee ashamed. For thou hast said, My doctrine is pure, and I am clean in thine eyes. But oh, that God would speak, and open his lips against thee, and that he would show thee the secrets of wisdom, and that they are double to that which is. Know therefore that God exacteth of thee less than thine iniquity deserveth. You know, you can almost see Zophar 
shaking his fist in Job's face. He's even arguing, as, as destitute and upset as Job is, that he's getting less than he deserves. So he regards Job as a hypocrite. And uh, he goes on, verse 7, Canst thou by searching find out God? Canst thou find out the Almighty unto perfection? It is as high as heaven, what canst thou do? Deeper than hell, what canst thou do? The measure thereof is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. If he cut it off and shut up and gather together, who can hinder him? For he knoweth vain men, he seeth wickedness also, will he not then consider it? For vain man would be wise, though man is born like a wild ass's colt. Any guy as stupid as you are, Job, will never get any help. This is quite a comforter. Yeah? He's got a real neat bedside manner. Can you imagine being in the hospital in agony and having him sitting by your side ex- telling you it's all your fault? In fact, you're not getting half of what you deserve. If thou prepare thine heart, then stretch out thine hands toward him. If, he, if iniquity be in thine hand, put it far away, and let not wickedness dwell in thy tabernacles. For then shalt thou lift up thy face without a spot. Yea, thou shalt be steadfast and shalt not fear, because thou shalt forget thy misery and remember it was it is waters that pass away, and thine age shall be clearer than the noonday. And thou shalt shine forth; thou shalt be in the as as the morning, and thou shalt be secure, because there is hope. Yea, shalt thou dig about thee, and thou shalt take thy rest in safety. Thou shalt lie down, and none shall make thee afraid. Yea, many shall make suit unto thee, but the eyes of the wicked shall fail, and they shall not escape, and their hope shall be as giving up of the ghost. Well, you can you can take his platitudes and argue in his favor, but there's really see he's, there's no identification with Job. He's trying to use just cold analytical logic, and there's certainly no intimation of offer to help here. And so, this first round now is concluded. We got these three guys. Job's going to now defend himself against this in in the next couple of chapters here, chapters twelve through fourteen, and that ends the first round here. Uh, chapter 12, verse 1, Job answered and said, No doubt, but ye are the people, and wisdom shall, <laughs> ye are the people, and wisdom shall die with you. <laughs> I can think of a radio commentator that, that really fits, you know, when he dies, wisdom will die with him, you know, as if they, they know it all. But, uh, so I guess maybe Zophar's got a real career ahead of him as a radio answer man or something. Anyway, verse 3. But I have understanding as well as you, and I am not inferior to you. Yea, who knoweth not such things as these? Saying, you haven't told me anything I don't know. I was one mocked of his neighbor who calleth upon God, and he answereth him. And the just upright man is laughed to scorn. He that is ready to slip with his feet is as a lamp despised in the thought of him that is at ease. Or saying another way, you don't understand, Zobar, because you weren't, you haven't been there. How often we can tell someone that's giving advice from head knowledge, um, that can speak of some of these things only as the blind can speak of color. You have to be there. Boy, we need to remember this when we're trying to comfort someone that's in a place that we personally haven't been. It may be too that God puts us in some of these places so that we can witness to someone who's in those troubles. If you're in a particular unique kind of situation, maybe one of the reasons God has you there is so that you'll be able to minister to somebody else that has that situation. But this is getting off the subject. Let's move on, verse 6. The tabernacles of robbers prosper, and they that provoke God are secure, into whose hand God bringeth abundantly. You know, we say, look around you, guy. Idolaters prosper. Life testifies that you're wrong. 
Nature also confirms that God deals as he pleases. See, on the one hand, the scripture is true. Scripture says you, you, you reap what you sow. And there's a way that's absolutely true as a principle. At the same time, you can look around and find people who, uh, you know, that are really gross, that are prospering. Why do the wicked prosper is the part of the question here. And nature also confirms what, uh, that God deals as he, God deals as he pleases. Verse seven. But ask now the beasts, and they shall teach thee the fowls of the air, and they shall te- tell thee, or speak to the earth, and it shall teach thee. The fishes of the sea shall declare unto thee, Who knoweth not in all these that the hand of the Lord hath wrought this? In whose hand is the soul of every living thing, and the breath of all mankind? Doth not the ear try words, and the mouth taste his meat? With the ancient is wisdom, and the length of days understanding. What Job's saying also, in effect, he's saying that he understands God as fully as they do. He's just admitting there's a lot that he doesn't understand. On top of that. Verse 13. With him is wisdom and strength, and he hath counsel and understanding. Behold, he breaketh down and cannot be built again. He shutteth up a man, and there shall be no opening. Behold, he withholdeth the waters, and they dry up. He sendeth them out, and they overturn the earth. With him is strength and wisdom, and deceiveth, and the deceiver are his. He leadeth counselors away, spoiled, and maketh the judges fools. And he looseth the bond of kings, and he girdeth their loins with a girdle. He leadeth princes away, spoiled, and overthroweth the mighty. He removeth away the speech of the trusty, and taketh away the understanding of the aged. He poured contempt upon princes and weakened the strength of the mighty. He discovered the deep things out of the darkness and bringeth out to light the shadow of death. He increased the nations and destroyeth them. He enlargeth the nations and straightened them up again. And he straight, he taketh away the heart of the chief of the people of the earth and caused them to wander in the wilderness where there is no way. And they grope in the dark without light. And he maketh them to stagger like a drunken man. And he continues in chapter 13. And lo, mine eye hath seen all this. Mine ear hath heard it and understood it. What ye know, the same do I know also. I am not inferior to you. Surely I would speak to the Almighty, and I desire to reason with God. But ye are forgers of lies. Ye are all physicians of no value. That ye, that ye would altogether hold your peace, that it should be your wisdom. What he's saying is their silence would have helped them more than their, their words. <laughs> the, uh, verse 6. Have now my reasoning and hearken to my pleadings of my lips. Oh, excuse me, hear now my reasoning and hearken to the pleadings of my lips. Will ye speak wickedly for God and talk deceitfully for him? Will ye accept his person? Will ye contend for God? Is it good that he should search you out? Or as one man mocketh another, do ye so mark, mock him? He will surely reprove you, reprove you if you, uh, if ye do secretly accept persons. Shall not his excellency make you afraid and is dreadful upon you? Your remembrances are like unto ashes and your bodies to bodies of clay. Saying if God judges him, they're going to judge him them also. He says, leave me alone so that I can come before God myself. And in fact, what he's going to build up here. He says, hold your peace and let me alone that I may speak that I, and let him, let come on me what will. Wherefore do I take my flesh in my teeth and put my life in mine hand? Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. But I will maintain mine own ways before him. By the way, this is probably one of the most famous passages in Job. That though he slay me, yet will I trust him. But that's not quite what it says, actually. <laughs> in the Hebrew. It says, Behold, he will slay me, I will have no hope, yet I will defend my ways to his face, is what is, is one rendering of the Hebrew. We're not, see, he's not, uh, Job's not worried. God needs him yet. He will be later, but he's not there yet. Verse 16. 
He also shall be my salvation, for an hypocrite shall not come before him. Hear diligently my speech and my declaration with your ears. Behold, I have ordered my cause. I know that I shall be justified. Who is he that will plead with me? For now, if I hold my tongue, I shall give up the ghost. He's, in effect, continuing to say these comforters should stop arguing and let him, uh, uh, he would, they would help him more by their silence. And they're so rigid in their theology and so blind to the dimensions of God that they're just increasing the torment of this poor man. See, they don't understand that God is also merciful. They don't understand that God has much more, many more dimensions than they, than they have allowed for in their little pack, in their neat little boxes. And boy, is that true today. Even in theology, the theological positions we put ourselves in. We need to learn from their example, so to speak, a negative example, and be extremely careful of our approach in the suffering of others. Romans twelve fifteen says we should weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. That's not what they're doing here. Now from here through the chapter 14, Job's going to now present his case that he's prepared before God. C.S. Lewis pointed out that uh, they that to argue with God is to argue the very power that makes it possible to argue at all. <laughs> and Job knows this, and he must come before God. Uh, he must have mercy from God before he can even stand before Him. He's going to make two requests here. First, that God will that that God will have the pain and anguish uh, relieved, so he, that he does not have to speak out in constant torment. And the second thing is, God will veil His presence so that He will not be terrified by the awesomeness of a, of a mighty God. One of the things throughout all of Job's confusion, through all his, his frustration at not understanding what's going on, he never loses sight of the, magnet, the, the uh, magnificence of God in all of this. He never loses his consciousness of the character of God. He always retains a vivid sense of his majesty. It's interesting... Uh, I had a, a, a chance to preview the, man, the manuscript of uh, Dave Hunt's latest book. He was anxious to get my endorsement, which I did give it, incidentally. His book is called, What Love Is This? Subtitle, Calvinism's Misrepresentation of the Character of God. And it's interesting how in so many of these theological debates, people can unknowingly impugn the, the, majesty, the character and majesty of God. He's much bigger than our little theological boxes will contain. And we need to be careful, we need to be careful of that. Like in anything, balance is the key. Anyway, verse 20. Only do, only do, he's speaking to God now. Only do not two things unto me. Then will I not hide myself from thee. Withdraw thine hand far from me and let not thy dread make me afraid. Then call thou and I will answer and let the, and let me speak and answer thou me. So he's crying for knowledge, and he needs more information before he can go on. Verse 23, How many are mine iniquities and sins? Make me to know my transgression and my sin. You know, in any court of law, the prisoner is entitled to know the charges that are against him. Job feels as if he's being punished for something he doesn't know what for. His sins he's confessed and sacrificed. So, that, you know, he's, he's complied with, as he understands, he's supposed to do. And, and God even, God has exonerated him right up front, even before Satan. It's not that there is sin here. See, we have the benefit of God's own, and, and Satan's both, their assessment of Job. Job doesn't know that, but we know that from chapter 1. 
So that isn't the issue, and yet that's the presumption of his comforters. It's also Job himself falling into that trap. Verse 24. Wherefore, wherefore hidest thou thy face and holdest me for thine enemy? Will thou break a leaf driven to and fro? Will thou pursue the dry stubble? For thou writest bitter things against me and makest me to possess the iniquities of my youth. Thou puttest my feet also in the stocks and lookest narrowly into all my paths. Thou settest a print upon the heels of my feet. And he is a rotten thing, consumeth as a garment that, as, that is moth-eaten. See, the only thing that encouraged Job that this might be dealing with is the sins of his past. Despite the fact, of course, he's offered sacrifices for all of them according to God's program, as he understood it. Okay, we get to the, uh, chapter 14. Now he's going to, here he's going to primarily emphasize the helplessness and hopelessness, both the helplessness and the hopelessness of man before God. Man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. He cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth as a shadow and continueth not. He Dost thou open thine eyes upon such a one and bringest me into judgment with thee? Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Not one. Seeing his days are determined, the number of his months are with thee. Thou hast appointed his bounds so that he cannot pass. Turn from him that he may rest till he, he, he shall accomplish as a hireling his day. For there is a hope of a tree if it be cut down that it will sprout again. And that the tender branch thereof will not cease. Though the root thereof wax old in the earth, and the stalk thereof die on the ground, yea, though the scent of water, it will bud and bring forth boughs like a plant. But man dieth and wasteth away. Yea, man giveth up the ghost, and where is he? As the waters fall from the sea, fail from the sea, and the flood decayeth and dryeth up, so man lieth down and riseth not, till the heavens be no more, and they shall not awake, nor be raised out of their sleep. This is just his eloquent articulation of his pessimism. Verse 13, Oh, that thou wouldest hide me in the grave, that thou wouldest keep me secret until thy wrath be past, that thou wouldest appoint me a set time and remember me. If a man die, shall he live again? Shall all the days of my appointed time, will I wait till my change come? You've been listening to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher was Chuck Missler, teaching through the book of Job. For a complete listing of resources available, please visit khouse.org. You can also call us on one 800 K House 1. To learn more about Koinonia Institute, visit koinoniainstitute.org. Thank you for listening to 6640 and for your continued prayerful support of this ministry. Until next time, as we continue this series, may God bless you with the knowledge of His Son, Jesus Christ, as you study His Word. Music